Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well... Oh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Just eight drivers left to decide who will be the 2022 Cup Series champion. Big battle off of turn four here. The oh, and the wall goes Bubba Wallace. Oh. And he comes back across the track, tags the five. They're both in the wall. The caution comes out. Clips the 20 car of Christopher Bell. Christopher Bell hard into the outside wall. A playoff driver involved in this. Christopher Bell was a part of that. Clearly a Toyota teammate and a playoff driver. Your reaction to that? Sports. Ryan Blaney, one of the strongest cars today. Big damage. Big run for Logano on the 14 here for second. Logano is able to get underneath Briscoe down the back straightaway and then drive by him. Chastain blocking every move Logano makes. Chastain doesn't have anything for Logano. Welcome to the championship four. And the first driver advancing to the championship four is Joey Logano. We're racing for a championship. Let's go. Welcome to NASCAR American Motormouths. Nate Ryan here with Jeff Burton. Steve Letarte, as you just say, saw there, an eventful round of eight opener at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Had tons of drama, had tons of action. A lot to discuss, including controversy and a confrontation between Bubba Wallace and Kyle Larson. We're going to get to that a little bit later in the show. We want your phone calls on that, 844-NASCAR-NBC and hashtag Motormouths. A lot of other things to discuss as well. We had playoff drama for Ryan Blaney, led a lot of laps and then crashed while running second. Uh, Chase Briscoe with a huge comeback. Uh, but guys, I think we're going to start with the duel that we just saw there between Ross Chastain. Joey Logano wins the race, a championship for birth at stake, and a, a really stirring battle for the lead. Yeah, in the last six years, the driver who has won the first race of this round went on to win the championship three of the six times, right? So this is a huge advantage to win and win early. Matter of fact, the last time Joey Logano won this race was 2018. He became the champion. I think there's a little bit of challenge or change this year because you don't have a car to work on much like you used to in the past, but still all your preparation and everything will move forward instantly to Phoenix. So I think it's a huge advantage for Joey Logano. And look, it was a little bumpier than perhaps it needed to be near the end with a couple slow pit stops and some things we'll review. But the simple fact is they had a spectacular car all day long. Big step in the right direction from Team Penske and Ford specifically at a mile and a half track. Yeah, it was good. It was, you know, they were fast all, all week long, you know, unloaded fast, qualified well. Uh, but the battle, you mentioned the battle between those two guys, I thought they both did everything they could do. They both gave 100%. They didn't cross the line. I thought Joey showed a lot of restraint there. He called him early. Ross put a big block on 
And Joey went, oh, okay, still got time, you know what right. I mean, rather than saying, oh, you're out of here. And then I thought later Ross uh, could have done, could have been more aggressive with blocking, could have actually got to Logano into three. He, he drove a smart race. I just saw you saw two drivers, a heavyweight fight with two guys that don't mind mixing it up. You I know, do. Two guys that don't mind it at all, but they did it the right way. So I do think, though, with all these non-playoff drivers and 19 winners and all that stuff, I do think it's funny that when we get to their out of the eight, all the playoff guys. They find that right. last 5% that perhaps that we've been missing because they had the top spots all filled. Well, we've been waiting to see it, to see that leveling up that we traditionally see during the playoffs. And as you mentioned, Stevie, the last time Joey Logano won the round of eight opener, 2018, he went on to win the championship. So naturally, he was very enthused in his burnout interview with Marty Snyder. Let's take a listen to that now. We're racing for a championship. Let's go! Car. Penske cars were all fast. All of them were really fast today. And oh man, uh, all you want to do is get to the championship four when the season starts and race for a championship. And we got the team to do it. Let's see why not. We can't win at this point. So things are looking really good for us. Awesome Pennzoil Mustang. Great uh, Roush Shades motor in this bad boy. And uh, man, just a lot of adversity fought through the last <laughs> 50 laps or so. I thought we were going to win. Then we kind of fell out and then had the tires. And racing Ross was fun. He was doing a good job air blocking me. And just trying to be patient and eventually I was like, I gotta go here. So uh, just great to win out here in Vegas again and it means so much getting to the championship. And Joey Logano wins after that critical pit stop uh, that the team made, bring him in uh, for fresh rubber for those final two restarts, and that, that really essentially made the difference. Yeah, I mean I think it was important to you know, anytime you have a late race caution with that many cars in the lead lap, you know there's gonna be a split in the field, whether that's fifteenth, tenth, fifth, you never know where it's gonna be. Um, I think Paul Wolf realized it was going to be right around where he was running. He was running just inside the top 10, so he went ahead and called his car to pit road. And I believe that what you saw is the majority of cars followed him. And, Jeff, I think that goes back to having a good car. What people sometimes overlook is if you have an average car, you're not driving anyone else's decision. No one else cares what you do, right? So, so while this split in the field still exists, nobody cares. Nobody's going to follow you if you're a car that can't kind of hold your own. But everybody saw Joe Logano was, man, this is a potential race winner. He's been a great car all day. If they're going to come get tires, I don't want him lining up behind me, my last guy on old tires, so I'm going to come with him. And I think that really kind of moves that strategy. It's like, it's like having a great plate racer at Talladega. Someone's always going to go with them. If you have a fast car on a downforce track and you make a pit call, I do think that draws competitors to follow you. Yeah, speaking of the tires and, and, and tire fall off, you know, it was a good mix this weekend. They didn't fall off tremendously. We saw, you know, some guys take two tires and had a chance to put them. If, you know, if the thing goes green, maybe you have a different winner. You got that late last caution. Uh, so it was a good mix. You know, you didn't have to have four tires. You needed them. But the, the whole key to that is when you're in the middle of that, that chaos and when you're going to decide to pit or not, you do not want to be the last car that's sitting there and everybody coming from behind you is attacking you. And if you're that last car that, that, did get not, that did not get tires, you're in trouble. And I, I think that's a great point. Joey drugged more people down there because they know he's going to be on offense, and there's just no way you're going to defend it. Yeah, Joey Logano likes playing on offense, so how did he win this race? That was the turning point when crew chief Paul Wolf pulled him in to the pits and elected to put on four fresh tires here. Uh, as we see right here, Stevie. Yeah, so it starts a little earlier, lap 229. The pit stop before this, very, very slow. Joe Logano drives it all the way back to second. Once again, you're going to see a slow pit stop out of the 22. Paul Wolf 
set after the race, and this is actually a result of the first slow stop, if you can believe it. You see he can't get the left rear tire off. Basically, the bad hang from a stop before kind of wedged it on the car. So once again, two stops in a row, Joey Logano goes from front row to barely inside the top 10. Uh, I think that kind of generated it. Now the next yellow, what do you do? And this is what I was talking about. Look, no one in front of him. First car on pit road, everyone behind him, but then, Jeff, the pit crew shows up. Yeah, pit crew did a great job. They recovered. Uh, get, it, get him out. You know what I mean? Again, now you got tires, and now you're in a position to get done what you need to get done. So watch him. Let's see what happens. Restarts are a lot about what you do, but also what other people do. You see he jumps to the outside, the block from A.J. Armendinger. Now where's he going to go? Watch in the middle. Watch what happens. William Byron has problems right there. Now he's backing up, and he's dragging that entire middle lane back with him. And so now Joey Logano, he's got a ton of forward momentum. He's able to get on the outside, doing a great job, and caught a break. And you can see right here, the caution's getting ready to come out. Right there, the caution's out. And so now he's going to line up alongside of, of uh, Kevin Harvick. So did a great job, but caught some breaks. And then on this last restart, <laughs> again, catching some breaks. See right here, he got a big run on Reddick. Reddick was not happy about that. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But look on the inside. He's got good momentum. Again, Harvick has Logano has, he's too wide, instead would have, would have been three wide. Huge advantage for Logano. Watch what he does here. Watch the 16 car on the outside. He gets tight. He gets tight, drags Reddick back. Now Logano can go wherever he wants. Another break. So two breaks within one lap. And now he's on full offense rather than having to race people alongside of him. Yeah, I mean, the call for tires was impressive, but this race was more like as much as I want to be the guy to tell you it was a pick call or a strategy call, you know what this was? This is a guy that now has over 500 starts at 32 years old. He's a champion, and he showed you why this is his 30th win because he found out how to get through the restarts and then make short work of this traffic to run Chastain down. And if he, so think about this. He passed Chastain with two to go. So if he doesn't clear these guys That's right. as quickly as he cleared them, he's, he's not winning this race. And, and this was, again... You, restarts are so important in today's NASCAR. They've always been important. They're the most important they've ever been over the last several years. you got to have a driver that can push a button. you got to have a driver that can make things happen. But if you're in the wrong line and <laughs> yeah. think, there's things you, that are completely out of your control, I don't want to say it's luck because it seems like the same drivers have good restarts all the time. But if Joey Logano would have lined up and you know somewhere else and that line checked up he don't win this race yeah i mean it was a master class by joey logano who's both you guys just said one of the best restarters in the series but so is ross chastain and when i think about drivers who know how to make their cars wide and how to put it in exactly the right place to impede others momentum I mean, Joey Logano and Ross Chastain might be 1 and 1A in terms of drivers who do that really well. Yeah, but you know what Ross Chastain looked like as a driver that has matured over 30-something races to realize that he has a chance to win a championship this year. And if he gets spun off the nose of Joey Logano's bumper, then he knows that's probably going to take his opportunity to Phoenix to go away. And he also knows Joey Logano's willing to do it. It's the same thing I know. Reddick was upset about that restart. But but what I mentioned earlier about the playoff guys winning the race – I think that was an example of it. I believe in the round of 16 or the round of 12, I really believe Joey Logano lifts. I think he gets to the grass and he goes, Reddick is going to run me all the way to the grass. I am going to breathe it. I'm a little less aggressive. In the round of eight, I think Joey Logano said, no mas, no more. I don't care if you run me all. If I go to the grass, that's fine, but we're both wrecking down into turn one. I am done lifting. It's that point of the season. 
that's how the whole race worked. Like right here, Joe Logano is definitely laying back for sure, worth the conversation. But this move, you know, I, don't, I, I just wonder if it ends up the same way if we're not in the round of eight. Yeah, you know, the, the aggression level has gone up on restarts, you know, over the years. And uh, it's just part of what you do. And you hear the drivers all talk about it after the race. You know, restarts are crazy, restarts are crazy. And, but you got to do it. You got to be one of those that's willing to be crazy. And, and we showed that. We, showed, we go back and show that one more time on that, on that last restart. Uh, you'll see Logano lays back, right? He lays back a car length and a half or so. And the reason you're doing that, it's all about getting forward momentum. It's all about if you time it right, and, and you start accelerating just before they drop the green flag or just before the leader goes, now when you get to the start-finish line, you can go wherever you want to go because you can't change lanes until you get to the start-finish line. So in a perfect world, the second you go to the start-finish line, you now are making a move. And so you try to lay back a little bit. You don't have to be as precise. You can get that forward momentum, and then you have options. Reddick wasn't happy because you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> you're not supposed to lay back. Right. But – Logano, and, 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 and listen, what will happen is NASCAR will come up and they'll say, all right, guys, no more laying back, and they'll bust somebody. And then it'll go away for a little bit, and then start, they'll start taking advantage of it again. Uh, it's that, that's happened since the beginning of time. We've been having these conversations about laying back on restarts. It is an art to it, and, 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 and the reason it's so important is it creates that opportunity for you to go on offense. If Joey Logano doesn't do that right, and, I, and the guy behind him does, now Joey's on defense. And it doesn't matter that he's got new tires because now he's not putting the car where he wants to. So you got to be the one initiating aggressiveness. If you're having it initiated on you, you've you're, you're, you got a problem. When you, when you watch a driver who makes it three wide, he's going forward. When you watch a driver that gets put three wide, he's going backwards. It's all about being aggressive on restarts. You're either going forward or you're going back. No yeah. one's staying the same. Yeah. So you decide what you want to be. With Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot, you can give your lawn or garden beds a pop of color and protection. Right now, get a special buy on Scott's Earth Grow Mulch, five bags for just $10. Help your soil retain moisture longer with color that lasts up to 12 months. Shop Memorial Day savings for a special buy on Scott's Earth Grow Mulch. Five bags for just $10 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. We're just wrapping up Joey Gano's victory. As I said, the other big story in this race was the controversy between Bubba Wallace and Kyle Larson. Bubba Wallace and Kyle Larson make contact. Wallace then confronts Kyle Larson. And uh, we're going to hear what both of them had to say now. Big battle off of turn four here. The oh, and into the wall Bubba goes Bubba Wallace. Oh. And he comes back across the track, tags the five. They're, they're both in the wall. The caution comes out. Tips the 20 car of Christopher Bell. Christopher Bell hard into the outside wall. I'm still sliding up to you. Okay, tricky. You just hooked us. Yeah, hook us. Put your head back. Put your head back. Are you okay? Oh, yeah. Well, if that wasn't intentional, I don't know what was. You okay? Yeah, I'm great. Club Daniels, that's chicken. Uh, just keep an eye on him. Bubba walked up to put his arms out, like, what the heck happened? And then he gave Kyle Larson a big shove that actually knocked Kyle Larson back into his car. And then Kyle kind of bounced back, gave him a shove. The Bubba gave him another shove. And then NASCAR officials and safety officials kind of stepped in to separate them. He had a reason to be mad, but uh, 
his race wasn't over um, until you know he retaliated. So it is what it is. We've all done it. Maybe not all of us, but it, but I I mean I have. I've let the emotions get the best of me before too. So just um, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm, I, I know he's probably still upset, but I'm sure with everything going on, he'll he'll know that he made a mistake uh, in in the retaliation part, and um, I'm sure. You know, he'll, he'll think twice about it next time. What happened? Cliff Daniel said if that wasn't retaliation, I don't know what was. Was it intentional retaliation on your behalf? Clint's smart enough to know that how easy these cars break. So when you get shoved into the fence, like deliberately like he did, trying to force me to lift, steering was gone. So hmm. just so happened to be there. Larson wanted to make a three-wide dive bomb. Never cleared me. And uh, I don't lift. So I know I'm kind of new to running up the front, but I don't lift. So. Wasn't even in a spot to lift, and he never lifted either, and now we're junk. So just a piss-poor move on his execution. The message you wanted to send to Kyle by going up to him after the incident? He knows. He knows that what he did was wrong. Uh, he wanted to question what I was doing. He never cleared me. There's always unintended consequences when something like this happens. Christopher Bell was a part of that, clearly a Toyota teammate and a playoff driver. Your reaction to that? Sports. All right, so obviously a he said, he said situation here. Uh, Kyle Larson clearly feels as if Bubba Wallace was retaliating for Kyle Larson kind of squeezing him up in the wall. Bubba Wallace said, no, uh, my steering wasn't working. It showed no remorse about what happened. Your reactions to this? Well, I can't prove that the steering was working or not, but I can prove that the brakes weren't and the throttle were. He went right back to wide open throttle. We saw it on the telemetry that when he comes off the wall, it goes back to wide open throttle. So he can claim what he wants about the steering. I can't refute that. I don't have the data in front of me, but I did have the data of the throttle. And if your steering wasn't working, as many race car drivers as I've seen wreck, uh, usually they don't go to the throttle. Normally we go to the brake. So that's the biggest issue I have. I do believe it was absolutely intentional. I think right here he's mad. He sees the five cars still in recent shape. It probably looks like it's going to continue. I think he loses his cool and he hooks to five and he sends it into the outside wall. Um, there's just no place for it. I'm sorry. I can't get my mind around it. We're at 180 mile an hour plus racetrack and a car that has um, in, you know, trying to be improved upon in the safety situation. We have two drivers out currently with concussions. One is Bubba Wallace's teammate. The other one is Kyle Larson's teammate. I think there's so much context around this that this is going to be judged and should be judged in its current situation, which is not what it was a year ago or five years ago or ten years ago. People are going to say, well, this happened and this happened and it happened in this series. I'm not okay with it. Like, we're moving forward. You can't hook a guy in the right rear. Then you get out of your car and you walk across the apron. That's clearly in the rule book. You're not allowed to leave your car without getting into a medical vehicle. I have a problem with that. And then refusing the official as he storms across the grass is kind of like a third strike. Um, each in a different severity, but Jeff, all three matter to me in, in, in the context of what we have going on. I mean, right here, he's walking away from the safety vehicle, then down the apron. This, this is just, it's an unsafe situation for everyone. Yeah, listen, he, he clearly lost his cool. He was mad. And, you know, I think Kyle Larson is right. We've all done things we wish he hadn't yeah. done, but you just can't do it. You just cannot hook a guy in the right rear at a mile and a half at that speed. It's just an unacceptable move. And, and, you know, I, I, you know, Bubba has, has proven this year that he is capable race car driver. He can, he was running well there, but th this is not, cannot be tolerated. Uh, you know, I think one of the biggest mistakes NASCAR made years ago when, when uh, Carl Edwards flipped Brad Keselowski at Atlanta and they put him on probation. It was the stupidest thing. You, you, wait a minute, you hook a guy and you, he flips and almost goes into grandstands, you put him on probation, it's ridiculous. And... The, you know, the only way 
that you prevent this from happening again is for penalties. And there will be a penalty. I'm sure there will be a penalty, but I don't, I don't, obviously don't know what it will be. And it will debate, whatever the penalty will be, that will be debated too. But, you know, the drivers need to be held accountable for their actions. Uh, you know, it just they have to be held accountable. And this is an action uh, that should not happen. And, it's, and the reaction to that action has to be such that Bubba knows it was wrong and gets penalized for it, but also other, it prevents others from doing it in the future. Drivers need to know the rules. They need to know what is what they can and can't do. It's not always boys have at it. There are limits, and drivers have to have limits, and, and the only way you can do that is with penalties and making statements. Steve, uh, we're going to get to some callers, but your take, what should NASCAR do with Bubba Wallace in this situation? Well, first of all, I think accountability is the key, right? So there has to be a, a substantial financial penalty for Bubba Wallace. Um, I'm fine with some driver points because, you know, he's behind that wheel. It's going to hurt him. I, I think I would be acceptable. It would be acceptable to me if he had to miss a race. I think this is egregious enough that if they had to suspend Bubba Walls for a race to send this message, uh, I don't think that would be an overreach by NASCAR in this situation. I think a lot has to do with what we don't know, what they have for data, what conversations Bubba has when they reach out to him, what conversations they have out with Lark. Like we can only judge it for face value on the two interviews that we have of the two drivers. I would hope NASCAR is going to do more digging before making a reaction. But if I heard a, a large Large, six-figure, substantial fine, uh, and sitting out a week, I, I think that would not be overreach at all. Listen, we are all a sum of our choices. Now, I want to be very clear. This is not a judgment of Bubba Wallace's character or ability. He is a heck of a race car driver, and he has proven with cars that can run up front, he can run up front. He won stage one. He won stage one, and I think some of his frustration is because I think I know, he knows how good of a car he had. The simple fact is it doesn't matter how good of a person he is. It doesn't matter how talented he is. None of those things matter when judging the infraction. Crew chiefs are good guys and bad guys, and we see them all suspended. The reason why I'm okay with the drivers being suspended is, Nate, if the crew chief of the 18 is suspended because the wheel came off going down the backstretch, we all expect that'll be the 20th crew chief suspended this year. 2-0. 2-0. 20. There's 36 charters, and we're going to suspend 20 crew chiefs. It, it, I am not past suspending a driver. That, everyone's like, <gasps> they take a deep breath. 20 crew chiefs can sit at home if... NASCAR feels the infraction warrants a suspension. I'm totally behind it. Can, can I say this about penalties? So I don't, I don't know why the penalty should affect the owners of the 23 of, of, of Bubba Wallace's car, the 45 car. They didn't control this. They didn't have anything to do with it. I think that Bubba Wallace should be penalized for this, and it should be a Bubba Wallace penalty alone. Michael Jordan and Denny Hamlin could not have influenced this decision in any form or fashion. The same way I don't think Cole Custer deserved to be penalized last year, last week. He was told what to do by a superior. He has no choice. It's that or lose your job. Why should Cole Custer be penalized? We, we need to revisit how we penalize people. We need to revisit it. And, I, and I, I, listen, I'm a penalty guy. I think that, I, you know me. I mean, I'm all yeah. about it. Have and, rules, and, you enforce them. Exactly. Yeah. If you don't enforce rules, yeah. then nobody ever obeys them. Right. And nobody, it's not, the gentleman agreement does not work, period. Yeah. So, so, you know, I just think that when they're looking at the penalty, I think this is a driver infraction and it should be a driver penalty. Now, is there, are there consequences when a driver gets penalized? No doubt. If an NFL football player does something that warrants a suspension during game and he also gets fined later, it hurts the team because you take a, the best player and you have to bring a sub in. But you don't find the team... You don't move them back in the division, right? Why should, why should a car owner 
suffer the penalties for a driver action. I think that all that needs to be revisited. And, and why should a crew member suffer the penalties for an owner action? And why should, you know, right. yeah. who did yeah. it? That's who should be penalized. All right. A lot of questions there from the mayor for NASCAR and their penalty structure. A lot of questions on the phones as well, naturally, about this topic. And we're going to start with Marvin in Ohio. Marvin, welcome to NASCAR America Motormouths. Thanks, guys. And uh, first, I want to say to Kurt Busch, uh, congratulations on a stellar career. We're going to miss you. But I want to get to you guys' point. And I think what uh, Bubba Wallace did was uh, absolutely uncalled for. I mean, we've, we've got two drivers that are out with concussion-like symptoms, and what Bubba Wallace did was just absolutely uncalled for. And uh, uh, I like Kyle Bush. I mean, I, I, I like Bubba Wallace, but he needs to do better. All right, that's Marvin's take on, on Bubba Wallace. And I think it's important, guys, to put this in historical context as well because this has been the discussion since yesterday. Not the first time we've seen retaliation, obviously, in a NASCAR race. <laughs> Matt Kenseth versus Joey Logano at Martinsville. That resulted in a two-race suspension for Matt Kenseth. Even you know, earlier this season, it wasn't the playoffs, but uh, NASCAR reacted to Noah Gregson intentionally spinning Sage Karam during the Xfinity race at Road America. So we've seen them react to these. So they have. To, but to Jeff's point, one thing I do think NASCAR could do a better job of in general is when a penalty is enforced... And I'm fine if the penalty is the 41 penalty from a week ago, the potential Bubba Walls penalty this week, or even if it was the Noah Gregson penalty right here. Mm-hmm. The, the release, and Nate, you're a professional at this because you're, you're one of the best reporters that has to report on these things. It comes out with what rule was broken and what the penalty was, and that's it. There's no context. And I would like to see a published, you know, when the Supreme Court makes a ruling, they, they write a synopsis on why they decided for or against a situation. What I would love for NASCAR to do Instead of forcing some of their executives to go on the radio or to give statements and continue interviews, I would love to see a published response to what happened. Much like when the William Byron appeal changed its penalty, I would like the appeal committee to say, we have, a, we have changed the penalty. This is our reasoning. And here's why. Why wow, it'd be great for us and great for the fans. And that's not why. I want it for the other competitors. I was a crew chief, and there's so many, well, what did you hear they do? Well, I heard they did this, or maybe they did this. Well, we're not doing that. We're doing something different, and we're not. Like, I just don't think it's as clear as everybody thinks on why people are penalized at times. I think NASCAR, in a nice little one or two paragraph, could just say, hey, this is all the evidence we collected. Therefore, this is the result of the penalty. And if that was published, then, Jeff, I would have a great deal of support with increasing the punishment. Be like, wait, wait, wait. I know it wasn't you, but you should have learned how we punished Jeff because you got the findings. You know, I think the findings, I guess, is what I'm looking for. I'd like to see some findings around how these penalties are, are, are kind of constituted, how they're created, and how they're enforced. I agree, and I think, I think depending on what kind of, pen, what kind of uh, penalties you're talking about, this should always be, and the next one could be bigger. I, absolutely. Because, look, when you, when you, when you break a rule, you're cheating, you're cheating the rules, and you're cheating everybody you're competing against. So you have to be, when you're caught, you should be penalized. But then the next guy that caught doing the same thing, he should be penalized more because I told you not to do this. Right. And, and so, you know, a lot of our fan base, and I'm not saying this is wrong, but a lot of fan base will go back and say, well, in 2008 they did this, so that should be the penalty. I completely disagree with that. I think the penalty, if the same crime, the penalty should be bigger every time. Keep ramping it up. I'd have been okay 
I would have been okay, I think. And at the moment, I don't know that I would have. But when I look at where, where we are today, what if they would have suspended Noah Gregson for a reason? Hmm? Would we have this? Hmm. Would that have sent a message? I don't know. I don't know. Because right here, Bubba Wallace, he isn't thinking right here. He's lost it, right? We all It's happened to all of us. We've yeah, yeah. all lost it at some point, right? But when you see... When you see things happen and you know they're going to react, that gets ingrained. And so, I'm all, listen, we've turned this into what should NASCAR do. This was Bubba Wallace put NASCAR and himself in a bad situation. And, and, but the stiffer the penalties and the swifter the penalties, I think the better because I think it just sends a message. Yeah, consequences definitely uh, can have repercussions that way. Let's go to Carson on the phone. Carson, welcome to NASCAR American Motormouths. Uh, yes, sir. I appreciate y'all having me on. Uh, most of y'all's opening statements kind of answered all the questions that I have. But uh, I guess I'll take 30 minutes, I mean 30 seconds or so, to say that that was pretty uncool what Bubba did because he just saw his teammate, and I guess mentor, be forced into retirement because of the impacts that these cars have. Clip somebody going down the front stretch, going like 170, you know, not cool and it was pretty lame to go running and shoving a guy that weighs like 120 pounds we know he's not going to do anything back when i saw that it took me back to jeff gordon attacking uh jeff burton here uh i don't remember what race it was but they both kind of handled it similarly both of them de-escalated but uh yeah it'll be interesting to see what nascar does because they've definitely been consistently inconsistent uh (laughs) That's all I got. I appreciate it. All right. Well, thanks, Carson. I remember that race, Texas 2010, and your side of what happened there. Well, the difference then is they were both 120 pounders. So <laughs> <laughs> we were in the same weight class. Yeah. Uh, listen, I, I, uh, in, you know, I should have been penalized. I mean, I, I did a great job of getting out of that penalty, but I should have been penalized. And I was going to kill him, so don't look and, at me, because yeah, I was on the other side of it. That's right. You were involved with that. <laughs> that's, yeah. a, that's a different weight class. Like, you, right now, and you should have been fair. penalized because you hit Gordon under caution. Well, I was right? – so, he, listen, he played a role in it. Like, yeah. he played a role in it, but I was the one that made the, the larger mistake. Mm-hmm. And I got off because I had years of good service. I, I mean, eventually, essentially, I mean, what else would it have been? And so uh, – and it was, it was a different time. But, but – at the end of the day, I, I think that, you know, when that happened with Jeff and I, by the time Jeff got to me, I had enough wherewithal to recognize that I was the one that made the bigger mistake. He started it, but I was the one that made the bigger mistake. And I had enough whatever to recognize that. And Bubba didn't get there. Yeah. He didn't, you know, he, he did what he did. And he didn't get there. He's still full of fury, and he still goes down and, and, and does what he does. And then he continues with the NASCAR official that you mentioned it. At some point, you got to step back and say, oh, man, I've gotten myself in a, in a bad situation. And, and uh, that's a little concerning that he wasn't able to get himself into that, into that. So, listen, do I like what happened? No. Do I wish it didn't happen? Do I wish people aren't? You know, the sport that travels at 200 miles an hour – Everything happens a little faster and it's a little bit bigger. But then he isn't the first athlete to lose. It's cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like, I mean, think about the fights yeah. in baseball, fights in hockey. We've had fist fly in basketball games. We've had late hits. And, and, you know, that's, I guess, what I'm trying to say here is this isn't a judgment on Bubba. This is a judgment on Bubba's actions. Right, right. Not him the person, but the actions. 
in Las Vegas. I know that sounds silly, but like I feel like that's where we lose a little bit in this sport because we talk about cars and cars not fitting parameters. We get very unhappy because it's kind of like premeditated, and we feel they're kind of it's against the the sanctity of NASCAR and what we're trying to see, and and the and against competition. This is more of it doesn't make it better or worse, but this is more in my mind aligns with every other sport infraction you see. Like for once, we're not talking about technology. What we're talking about is emotion, which is exactly why everybody should watch because someone was so mad that they went down. And, that doesn't make it okay. It doesn't mean he shouldn't be penalized, but that's raw emotion. I mean, that's what makes sports great. And he's he's we're all humans. We all are fully imperfect, and and this is an opportunity. For Bubba to come out stronger. This is yeah. not the end of Bubba yeah. Wallace's career. This is a blip on the radar. He made a major mistake. He's got to get penalized for it. He's got to learn from it. He, unfortunately for him, is going to teach others what not to do. And he will come out of it better if he chooses to. So, yes, it's not an indictment on Bubba's a bad guy. He made a bad decision. And we've all made bad decisions. The difference is he made it and put someone in jeopardy of, of being uh, injured at a time where we do have injured drivers. And you know, if he was if he was uh, if he was Brad Keselowski and Carl Edwards, he'd be getting probation. Right. Right. But we don't live there anymore. That's it's a right. different time. Well, yeah. and two more things we haven't even touched on yet in terms of the consequences here. I mean, yes. He puts Kyle Larson in the wall. It's not just Kyle Larson, but that car, the five, was still alive for the team owner's championship. That heavily damages their chances now of making the championship four. And then we haven't even talked about the third car involved, Christopher Bell, the winner of the Roval, who comes into the round of eight with all this momentum. He's now last in the points among the eight playoff drivers, 23 points below the cut line. He's, he's put a Toyota, Bubba Wallace, a Toyota driver, has put a Toyota teammate running for the championship in a hole here. But that, the only issue that might be is with Toyota. The, the one answer I did love of Bubba Wallace was sports. <laughs> because he's right, right? Because, yeah. okay, William Byron got penalized for spending Denny Hamlin. We're not going to put Denny Hamlin back. We're not going to give him spots. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, Kyle Larson got wrecked. Agreed. You know, yes, the 20 got involved in something he had nothing to do with. But... I mean, that's the sport of NASCAR. There's 36 cars out there racing for the playoffs. We don't just put eight out there. Uh, I mean, you know, like, that's that's just not what happens. It's, um, you know, these are the things that need to be handled internally, either at organizations or manufacturers, you know. Uh, um, I don't know if the only penalty bubble will receive is from NASCAR. Maybe maybe someone else will reach out to him. Maybe, you know, maybe pressure will be put on from his ownership. Like, we're all, you know, I had to manage 85 people when I was a crew chief, and, and I had to manage all of their good and bad decisions, right? It, it's... This is part of, of sports and teams and, and moving forward. And um, listen, we are just getting started. It's a Monday. You wait till the Thursday or Friday when we get all the answers. There's going to be a lot of conversation about this. You know, fair enough. Uh, however, the other side of that is if Noah Gregson hooks a car and only one car is involved versus 10 others piling right. in. That's right. certainly impacted so, that penalty. Right. right. So yeah. now NASCAR has to look and say, all right, the end result does matter. Absolutely. Right. So, um, yeah, I agree with you 100%, and I disagree with you 100%. You know, it's <laughs> like you're, what you're saying is right. Like, it's it's sports. Like, it, you, drivers get caught up in stuff all the time that's not their doing. We just saw Joey Logano caught a break, several breaks, to win that race. And, he, he, he you know, it could have gone the other way. So, you're right, and then, but then the consequence, what the end result of your action matters.
And so that's got to be factored into the penalty side of this also. It's, it's, we don't need to overcomplicate it, but we do, need, we do have to have a set of rules, and it has to be enforced. And if it's not enforced, no one will ever follow the rules. I can promise you that. Let's squeeze in one more phone call. Jeff is on the line. Jeff, welcome to NASCAR American Motor Mouths. Hey, thank you, guys. Uh, i got about a 10-minute question that I've parsed down to about 20 <laughs> seconds here. I thought Kyle okay. Larson was going to need a little bit more defense because he went into the turn on the inside with a lot of speed. Back in the day, the drivers used to ride the bottom of the line to protect the inside because eight tires turned better than four tires. What With the new cars that we have these days and the difficulty these guys are having to turn the cars and make passes, I wonder what you guys think about eight tires making turns coming back into play. Uh, well, I'm going to jump in here that do I think Kyle Larson caused that wreck? I do. Do I think Bubba Wallace could have avoided that wreck? I do. That doesn't make it Bubba's fault. I think Larson put him in a position. But in his interview, he goes, I'm not going to lift. I'm not going to lift. Well, you want to be so stubbornly right that you wreck? Like, if, if it was that clear to you that you needed to lift, then sometimes you have to lift. And that doesn't make the Larson move better. Does, like, but the result is your car is still rolling straight, and you can go race another time. And, and that's the retaliation I'm looking for. Maybe you go down in the next corner, you slide him up, and he can decide to yeah. lift or not lift. That's called racing. Now... There's also a tremendous amount of speed there. Jeff would know better than me. You also get to a point where there's no out, right? You're so committed far around the corner that it's like, hey, man, I, you're, you know, I'm all the way out. Um, you know, I don't think the five hits the 45 until he hits the wall, but at the angle the 45 was leaving the corner, it was either wall or the five car. I'm not sure you could do one or the other. Well, I'm going to put our production crew in a tough spot here. If you go back <laughs> and show it again, you can see fire coming out of the exhaust pipe of the 45, and that's when he lifts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we go back and watch that. We can see he eventually did lift. But if you watch real close, as far as four tires, eight tires being better than four, not a mile and a half. Like, that's never in the history of racing been where we are. But if you watch the left side, you can see fire come out. I'm sorry, oh, the right, right side. Yeah. It was pretty late. Yeah, so, yeah. I saw he, it. He didn't lift. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what I mean. He doesn't have fire until he hits the wall. Yeah, yeah. But, after you hit the wall. Well, Listen, I think he was far enough on Kyle. I think he was far enough up on Kyle Larson for him to expect Kyle to not run him in the wall. Like yeah, he would have had yeah. to lift. He would have had to lift from you know drivers in their hands, right? He, you know, you're side by side. If Kyle's up here and he starts sliding up, well, then at that point you're like, okay, I got to lift. But when Kyle's next to you, you're not real sure that he's not going to quit sliding until you're there. You know what I mean? So I don't know that. I don't know that Bubba was in a position where he knew he was going to need to lift. That's, that's my perspective. And I go back to what Stevie said earlier. Like, I thought the most telling part of the Bubba interview was that I'm not lifting anymore. Like, I'm running at the front. And it was almost like he took it personally. It was like almost a matter of respect that yeah, I'm it, staying in it. It was something different all weekend. You know, we talked about, man, this is the Kansas car, the car of right, the Kansas. Right. You, you know, and I don't know. There was just something. There's something about that team all weekend long. Uh, that I don't know if they had it circled or like they just expected to run good and they were great. I'm not taking anything away from it, but but I think that's why Bubba was so close to the edge. I think that's so how he lost his cool so quickly is is I think Bubba's been wronged way worse in his career than what Kyle Larson just did to him. I'm confident of it. Yeah. And yet he didn't have the same reaction. So it, it's the it's the totality of now I'm a winner. This is the car. Maybe I think I'm going to win again. Who knows what else? But there was definitely more weight stacked on the scale this weekend than perhaps normal weeks. Every young driver at some point is going to have to say, I'm not taking your crap anymore. Yeah. 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 I mean, you, you, they're going to push you around. 
as long as you let so, so, so now let's flip it the other way. Okay, take a, same move, same thing. Instead of Bubba Walls hitting the fence, if Bubba Walls just holds his lane and makes the five hit them and they spin smoking down the thing, and then he gets out and say, I'm not going to lift, I'm like, okay, drew a line in the sand, right? That's yeah, the point that's we're talking about here. That's yeah. a racing accident. Right. When Bubba hits the fence and then goes across the track and catches the five, that changes from me. That leaves a racing accident. Yeah, yeah that's right. Different that's way right. to send that message. That's right. Uh, back to the phones. We'll talk to Lee in Florida. Lee, welcome to NASCAR America Motormouths. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? Uh, pretty good. Um, do you think that the penalty be, should be worse because of the size of the track? I mean, going back to Matt Kenseth and Joey Logano's issue, he wound up it's on a half-mile track. This is a mile and a half. The speeds are a lot faster. So okay. do you think the penalty should be worse? So Lee's point we're looking at right here, Matt Kenseth got a two-race suspension for wrecking Joey Logano at Martinsville, a half-mile track. So let's should put this some context worse about this. Track. So these two aren't racing for position. Matt Kenseth to this point is multiple laps down. It was clear that he waited on Joey Logano and the axe. Just let me put that in, in context first. These two are racing for position. In my NASCAR world, that's a big difference. Kenseth's right? accident was much more egregious. In my oh, yeah. opinion, oh, it was yes. premeditated yeah. and much more egregious where Bubba Wallace lost his cool. I just said that I expected uh, Bubba Wallace, after all this happened, for him to kind of collect himself before he went down there to confront Kyle. Uh, Matt had a long a time yeah. to yeah, get like a week. himself gone <laughs> yeah. and, and wasn't able to do it. But, but I, you know, the thing about Matt is, and this is where penalties are so important, is Matt had no reason. Hey, Matt did not know he was going to be penalized for two, two races. Like, you know, th- we've had this evolution of penalties, right? And boys have at it. And where are we in the stage of boys have at it? And, and I believe that we just have to make penalties and we have to stick to them. I don't, give, I don't care what time of whatever we're in. It doesn't matter to me. There's egregious moves that happen. No matter what the situation is, they need to be penalized. And I do believe... That if, if you hook a guy in the right rear quarter panel, I don't care if you were at Martinsville in a, in a premeditated way. I'm not talking about racing because here's what's going to happen. Two guys are going to get together and race, and the yeah, guy's right. going to hook a guy, and he's going to wreck, and they'll be like, oh, he's spinning. We're not talking about that. We're right. talking about a clear, a clear retaliation. If that happens, you've got to make the penalty severe because if you don't, no one will ever not do it. You have to make it. The intent matters. The results matter. And therefore, the risk matters. That's right. I, like, I, doesn't matter. Like, like, and everybody said, well, how do you know what's going to happen? It doesn't matter. If you're a baseball pitcher, and I'm a proof of point, I'm going to throw one at you. And I get a little high, and I break your jaw, then I took the risk when I decided to throw a ball at you. Right? Like, like the results, like Noah Gregson spinning Sage Karam, he didn't know 15 cars were getting in there, but when he turns him, he tastes that risk. Right? Like, like that's the, the results do matter. Like your intent, then the result, and then what does that result look like? What was the risk involved? And, and it, you know, it doesn't matter that, well, I didn't know that was going to happen. Look, I'm sorry. You, know? yeah. you still made yeah. that choice. So, Nate, we've spent many nights drinking wine together coming to this <laughs> conclusion that results matter. Yeah. <laughs> what, a, what a concept. Well, well listen, it's the same yeah. thing we teach our children, though, right? I have a, a child in college, and, and I tell him that you know, just because you get away with some bad decisions or good decisions doesn't mean it's okay right like like and if you make bad decisions then you get bad results like the results matter like it it, all of us make decisions in our life every day what ends up with those decisions is what we're all going to be judged upon one more thing one more thing before we move on about penalties and all these things 
if you're a young race car driver, these are the guys you look up to. Yes. If you see them wearing Nomex underwear to keep them safer, you're more apt to do it. If you see them acting a certain way, you're more apt to do it. And we have a responsibility, in my opinion, as the highest form of motorsports in North America, to be the pinnacle of all things. That should be one of our goals, is that when, when a young driver, no matter what series he's looking at watching, is watching NASCAR, he's watching the very best. It's the best enforced, it's the best officiated, it's the best raced, it's the best everything. And, and they're going to emulate what you do. I've been to a lot of short tracks in my life. I see a lot of actions on short tracks that I see on Sundays. And if you don't let it happen on Sunday, then it's a whole lot easier for a promoter on Saturday night to say, I'm not going to let it happen here. Yeah. And we have, in my opinion, we have a responsibility. NASCAR Cup Series is the biggest, I don't care, I don't, it is period, the biggest sport in North America as far as motorsports. Non-debatable. We, we, should be, we should always act like that. Got to set an example. The mayor has spoken. A lot to digest, obviously, about Bubba Wallace, Kyle Larson. A lot still to digest for us about the rest of the playoff drivers in the field at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. We'll go through the field when we come back on NASCAR American Motor Mouse. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. We fully believe that we could uh, hold them off and, and win the race uh, on the tires we had. And um, Joey did a good job of getting through the field. I hope I'm racing that guy for a really long time. Like we've been saying all year, this is the arrival of Trackhouse. And, I wouldn't want to be doing it with anybody else. Kept, kept ourselves in the ball game. Uh, wanted more. I could taste it there for a little bit, and that's the frustrating thing. So, yeah, still got a shot. Uh, I feel like Homestead is my best racetrack, so looking forward to getting down there. Yeah, just need to be a little faster, honestly. Um, you know, I think that the, the competition's stepped up. I mean, that's, that's the only thing I can kind of equate, but in the end, you're going to need to execute, not making the mistakes, and that's something that so far in the playoffs we've done a pretty good job of. Ultimately, just struggled all day with kind of the same thing. We're just kind of bouncing. I hate that we got loose there under the 12 like that. That definitely wasn't my, my intention. I just kind of I couldn't get on, on the bottom all day. So I was put in that position and um, couldn't make it work. But um, ultimately, just kind of a struggle of a day. So we just got to go to work for Homestead and try to uh, try to get a little bit better. Yeah, just I did a really bad job all, all weekend. So just, uh, you know, not, not driving the car like it needs to be driven and not being able to give good information to, to fix it. So just to all-around poor effort on my behalf, and, and when you uh, when you perform that poorly, you get poor results. That's how it works. You're now plus 17. How good will that be going to Homestead? Well, i, I got to do a lot better job driving the vehicle to have a chance for it to even matter. So, um, at least my concerns right now. Great work there by Parker Kligerman, Dave Burns, getting the thoughts of all the playoff drivers. Also great work earlier in the show, Marty Snyder talking to Bubba Wallace and Kyle Larson and Joe Logano as well. Uh, guys, we just heard from there, Chase Elliott, yeah. regular season points leader, now four, uh, 17 points still above the cut line, but essentially lost 14 points with a 21st place finish 
as thoroughly mediocre as he's probably been all season. Mediocre is being nice. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this this, this is, was just unbelievably poor. I mean, we're talking about a team, not, a, not just a 21st place finish, 20th in stage one, yeah. 23rd in stage two, and 21st. I'd love to know a race where he ran every lap and didn't run inside the top 20 in a single stage. I mean, outrun by many, many, many cars, Awful, big adjustments all day long, hit on nothing, found nothing. My concern now why Miami is a very different track with lower grip. It's the same tire combination. Is there some magic to the nine car? Because um, what I do love about Chase is he's just candid. Poor performance, poor results. What do you expect? Anything different. I appreciate that about him, but the simple fact is it's not going to work. As Denny Hamlin said, the, the, the group has stepped up. One small thing to take note of. And I happened to be watching it on the last lap. He had a good battle, and he got he got a spot or two. And we talk about it all the time about how one point, two points. Even though he was having a bad day, he didn't quit fighting, and he fought hard. And he got two spots on you know around the last lap, lap and a half. I happened to be looking right at it because Joey had gotten away, and I went back looking, and I'm like. He was still fighting, and, and it may never show on anything. It won't show up on a highlight reel racing for 20th, uh, but he did get a couple on the last lap, and we'll see. We'll see if that yeah. makes a difference or not. Yeah, and like Stevie said, Chase Elliott always owns it, and he certainly yeah, owned it. Sure. He felt like it was, the onus was on him. Wasn't the only playoff driver to have not such a good day. We discussed Christopher Bell. Ryan Blaney, though, as well, wins stage two, uh, finishes fifth in stage one, and that – essentially mitigated the fact that he crashes while running second late in the race. So, you know, you don't want to harp on mistakes because we all make them, but this, these aren't mistakes you can make and expect to race for a championship. Uh, yeah. Kyle Larson said it about his performance at the Roval. Um, I actually talked to him some more this weekend about it. He was crushed about where he put his team in in the closing laps of the Roval. The same thing for Ryan Blaney. He's a great race car driver, had tons of speed, did all the right things, but it's it, that's how quick it can turn around on you and and – you know, that is a 20-ish point mistake. He's 11 points behind. I mean, you can do the math from here. It is clearly a mistake and clearly rests on his shoulders, but I think it exhibits how difficult this car is to drive. you got Ross Chastain, Love it. Kyle Larson, Ryan Blaney all making mistakes in positions where they didn't need to make them. If they were running 18th on the la- in the last stage of the last race of the round and they made those mistakes, right. you can see it. But they were all having good enough good days yeah. and all of them – made mistakes and I just think it shows you how hard this car is to drive and how unpredictable it is and understanding that grip level and once it starts around man it's hard to catch and and uh it's just I'm impressed I I, you're right they should not they cannot make those mistakes I'm impressed that it's easy enough to make those mistakes yeah that's what we want Someone has to lose. Everybody can't win. We want, we want I mean, the cars everybody can't yeah. win. That's what we want as competitors. We want the we cars want to be to hard to drive. Back. We yeah, want, we want the best yeah. in the world to be on the edge of out of control. Uh, a guy who was on the edge of out of control, stage one, Chase Briscoe. No stage points. He thinks he's got his engine going south in the first 50 laps. And he comes back, and just like Texas, he gets a top five again uh, at Vegas. All right, so good or bad, which we want to start with? Because I can start with the good, a great recovery, amazing yeah. recovery. Kept themselves into only minus nine below uh, the cut line. The good... Four top tens in a row, a top five here. Okay, now the bad. That ain't good enough. Like, great day, great recovery. It ain't good enough. You didn't gain a single point. Like, And I say that tongue-in-cheek, but my point is we're not on the round of 16 anymore. You're not on the round of 12 anymore. What makes this format so good is you are now in the round of eight. 
And top tens, I don't believe, are going to do it. I said it before the race. I think you're going to have to believe you need to win. We know someone can get in on points, maybe a couple of them. But your attitude must be have to win. And in Chase Briscoe's stance, while he saved a ton of points, he also missed out on a ton in the first few stages, just not being fast enough to start the race. I remember, I remember going to Sonoma. I think I was sixth six or seventh in points, and I was running sixth or seventh, and everybody in front of me was ahead of me in points. And I'm like, well, I'm having a great day. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and that's what and, – and what they better find is some speed. Yeah. They've executed. I mean, I'm telling so you, good. like, so they, they're executing great last week. They did not have the speed they needed. Right. So – you cannot get by with that three weeks in a row, I don't think. Eventually, speed is going to win out. Why do you need speed? Because guess who showed up? Guess who popped out of nowhere at Las Vegas? Track house. The one, the 99. The 99 did not execute. Pit stop troubles, all these different things. The one, restarts and pit stops, I put them at the top of both lists. Oh, yeah. And it showed. Oh, yeah. Now you give them a fast car? Ooh, that is a one-two-three punch. That is not something you want to battle about. I was impressed with all of Trackhouse. Yeah, certainly like Trackhouse and uh, Chastain's chances here the last two races. But uh, help me out here. I got William Byron in the championship four. You're good. He ha- you think so? He's oh, six, yeah. six points below the cut line. Uh, he had a really up-and-down day at Vegas. Can he find the speed? You can't do races. Miami is nothing like Las Vegas for that reason and that reason alone. I think it really suits William Byron versus Vegas. I do, too, and I think, he's, I think they have enough speed. And uh, they're not making mistakes right now. They're really solid. What they've done is they did not have speed prior to the playoffs. Where are they? Where are they? Where are they? And now the playoffs started. Here they are. And they're doing a nice job of executing, not making mistakes. Uh, I feel good about William Byron. I think think those guys are good. We watched this 24 all day long. This young man was whitewatering down to Colorado. I mean, this thing was bouncing (laughs) and, and, and bucking to the right and hitting the ground. I mean, it's amazing the car didn't end up backwards into the fence. Yeah. Well, such an eventful day. We didn't even touch... Denny Hamlin started 31st, finishes 5th, takes advantage of a two-tire call. He goes into Homestead with some momentum. And, uh, you know, a lot to talk about. Homestead, NBC on Sunday. And we've also got the Xfinity Series. And coming up Wednesday, NASCAR American Motor Mouse Josh Berry, the winner of the most recent race at Las Vegas, will join us. Kim Kuhn, Marty Snyder, Kyle Petty on NASCAR American Motor Mouse. Join us then. Thanks for joining us today. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.